Hey, I'm Wyatt Welch, and you're listening to Echo Talk. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Echo Talk. My name is Wyatt Welch. I am your host, who has been gone for too long. I've been gone for about a month and a half now. Uh, I wish I had a better excuse, other than I just wasn't feeling it, I guess. I was going through a little bit of a weird spell there, where I was having a hard time with being motivated to do a podcast. Uh, it was it was weird, because normally I'm super excited to do it, but I just was not feeling it at all. And so I'd, I'd say that what brought me back was the Barbie movie, actually, which is what today's whole episode is about. But before we dive into Barbie movie, which I have the most notes I've ever taken on a podcast, I have three pages worth of notes just for our discussion here on Barbie movie. And if you haven't seen it yet, that's okay. I'll let you know when I start getting into the spoilers of the thing. But for now, you can stick around because we do have our pyramid. So our pyramid of the week, which if you've never listened to an Echo Talk episode before, I like to start it out with what I can best describe it as a dance mom's pyramid, if you've seen that, where they rank the dancers each week of bottom of the pyramids, the worst, all the way up to the top. So our pyramid has different categories. It doesn't always relate to the episode. Sometimes it does. Ours today does not really. So our pyramid for today, if I could get a drum roll, please. Thank you to the editing. It is shows I couldn't watch as a kid. These are the shows that my parents banned me from watching. Now, I should start it off by saying Matt and Angie, my parents, they were not strict about these kind of things. I was watching I was watching rated R movies probably a little bit too young with Titanic or... Uh, Pet Cemetery. I saw that one far too young, and it scares me to this day to have someone cut into the the back of my heel. Terrifies me. But I was allowed to watch a lot of movies. Like I said, Titanic was our car movie for a while, and it was the two disc of where it had to be separated because it's such a long movie. So we had the second disc in there, which I think is where they draw Rose as a French lady, so she's naked, and everyone's just dying the entire time. When we just watched it as kids in the back of our Tahoe for. A good couple months there. That was our our movie. We just closed our eyes when we couldn't watch that certain scene, and that's it. So I just wanted to put that out there as I wasn't I wasn't uh, it wasn't a crazy time growing up not watching these things. However, there were some shows that I was banned from watching, and so starting off at the bottom of the pyramid, we're going to go with the shows that I agree with, and that would have to be The Simpsons, South Park, kind of all the I guess adult cartoon shows I could lump all together. I still have a problem watching these to this day. It's, I mean, I I think the jokes that I make are probably a little bit more crass than what is even on those shows sometimes, but I still have a hard time. It was on at a doctor's office and I, would, I wouldn't watch it just because I, I don't know, I, maybe I was scared to watch it and I just won't give it a try. So I would agree with that. I was not allowed to watch those growing up and I stand by that decision. So thank you. Next was the Caillou TV show, which if you don't know what that is, it's a kid's TV show, but about this little bald whiny boy. And that's basically all you need to know. My parents didn't let me watch it because they said that he was too whiny. And when I would watch it, I I guess I would whine too. I'd mimic it. So I agree. I have seen clips of Caillou and he's so annoying. I don't know how this is still a TV show that's going on and about, but there he is. I don't know if it's still kicking around, but it was. And it was very annoying, so I would agree with that. Our next one is Codename Kids Next Door. This is kind of my neutral choice. Like, I get it, but it's a good show. What this was, was it was on Cartoon Network, which Cartoon Network had some edgy shows. Sometimes my parents would have problems with the Cartoon Network shows. But Codename Kids Next Door is the whole thing is that they're kids who are rebelling against the adults because when they turn into adults, they're evil now, or they perceive them as evil. So they had a hard time with the disrespect from the kids to the adults there. So I remember one time I was getting ready for dinner and my mom was like, Wyatt, come into the kitchen and help me do this. And I learned this phrase from the TV show. And so the phrase I learned was, okay, mom, geez. And guess who got a spanking that night for backtalking their mom? Even though I wasn't trying to backtalk, I was just like, what a fun little quip. I'm going to steal that. Let's throw that into my vocabulary. And it ended up with me getting a spanking. So would not recommend. I I, I understand of why I wasn't allowed to watch that show anymore after. <laughs> because it did just blatantly disrespect adults. And it was, but it was very fun to watch. I always would wear my hoodies, like I think number three. 
with a long green hoodie that goes past your hands before it was cool, like Ariana Grande would do it. Next up, this is where I start to get into a little bit of, hey, let me watch it. And I did with Walking Dead. So my dad let me watch Walking Dead for the first season. And then I started the second season. And then he was like, no, 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 actually, you can't watch this anymore. It's a little bit too much. And I was like, are you kidding me? I already started this. I've seen it. And he was like, it's just too much. It's too graphic. There's like inappropriate things in there, which, yeah, completely, completely agree with that. But I was in junior high. I was hearing worse in the hallways. So myself of what I, what any, (laughs) what any rational teenager would do is go to their grandma's house and search on the computer, Walking Dead season two, episode one, two, three, four, as many episodes as I needed to, to get caught up because I was still going to watch that show. So instead of sneaking out, doing drugs and all that kind of stuff, I was sneaking out and watching Walking Dead. That's what I was doing. And one more show, which I'll get to in a minute. But our second on the pyramid was Harry Potter. So our family grew up in a very Baptist church and we had a hard time with witchcraft. That was a that was a big no-no in our church. Uh, Halloween in general was a big no-no, which side note, one time our church went to a, a, a roller rink, classic fun skating for Halloween. So in lieu of Halloween, celebrating Halloween, we celebrated at classic fun skating, which I mean, we're still celebrating something on the same day, whatever. Their point was, instead of trick-or-treating, come to the roller rink and skate. And I was like, okay, maybe it can be fun. But I get there and we are rollerblading to hymns. Like instead of fun pop music, we're listening to hymns, like How Great Thou Art, or Art or something, and we're skating to it. I'm like, this sucks. Like, this is not fun. Like, I'm all for hymns and everything on Sundays or in a, a good mood for them, but a roller rink is not a place for them. So I remember the church, this is taking far too long, but I have to get to the point. The church was like, okay, let's try to amp things up here for the young kids. Let's try to make things fun. So they played chicken dance, which I was like, all right, we can get behind this. We love chicken dance. It's fun. And then they moved into cha-cha slide. And that's where it got a little bit too crazy for them because it was too much, I guess. So we didn't even make it away like a, a third of the way through the song until they changed it. And I was like, are you joking? Cha-cha slide. We can't listen to this one because it was it was just too much for those little Baptist hearts to take. Side note, completely distracted. Harry Potter, wasn't allowed to watch it because it had witchcraft. So all growing up, I was a good little Baptist boy, and I said I will not be watching Harry Potter when I went to friends' houses. I told them I couldn't do it. It wasn't allowed. And I've never seen it since. I think, actually, I lied. There was one time where my friends were like, let's watch Harry Potter. And so I kind of watched it, but not really. So I'm still going to claim that I haven't seen it. But guess who has, and guess who are fans of Harry Potter? Matt and Angie Welch. That's right, my parents. They became fans of Harry Potter and started watching it when I was like 18 or 19, when I was on a Harry Potter play. And they started watching it. They're like, this is so good. This is great. I'm like, are you kidding me? I was banned from watching Harry Potter. So they did take a banned show and became a fan of it. And that's not the only time they've done it. They have done it with the last show I'm going to talk about here in just a second too, which was Glee. Glee, I was a Gleek as a child, and I think this was sixth grade is when I started to watch it. And granted, there was some heavy, heavy subject matter in this show. And so I thought it was hilarious because it was everything I ever wanted. It was covers of songs. I don't know what it is about a cover of a song, but it just makes me so happy to have. But I was thinking the show was the best thing ever, and I thought it was so funny. I was like, Mom, Dad, watch this show. And they're like, okay. So for the first like two or three episodes, they were all into it. They loved it. And then they got to an episode of where they sing Push It, the, the sexy song at a school assembly. And they're like, nope, I'm done. And I was like, no. Well, they said, nope, I'm done and you're done too. So then I had to be done watching Glee. And I was so mad. But guess who continued to watch Glee? My mom. My mom started to watch Glee. And I think my dad did too. I can't remember. I'll have to ask him. But my mom and I would, my mom and I almost had this like agreement to not acknowledge that either one of us were watching it, but we were always informed of what was happening. And so we never really questioned it, I don't think. And so I kind of test the waters of like, I wonder what Rachel Berry is is doing. And she's like, yeah, I guess with that solo with Mercedes that was kind of taken from her, I guess. Almost talking in code as, as if it was a, a big secret. But we both, I think, just would watch Glee and not admit to each other that we watched Glee because it was really funny and entertaining. Anyways, that was a good little memory there. I have since watched every episode of Glee, and it is terrible, but it is so wonderful at the same time. 
And those are my shows that I couldn't watch as a kid. I do want to hear about your guys' things and what you're banned, you were banned from watching. I know some of you were banned from watching SpongeBob and it shows. I think that's an instant red flag. If someone tells me that they were not allowed to watch SpongeBob, I'm like, oh, okay, weirdo. Like, what? what's wrong with you then? And I know it's not their fault because it was their parents' choice, but there's something. There's something off with you. All right, let's get into Barbie. Hi, Barbie. All right, we're back into our main point of today. And like I said, I have three pages. Ooh, voice crack. I have three pages of Barbie notes because I have felt so deeply about this movie. I saw it for the first time on its release day, just kind of on the whim of like, I knew I wanted to see it, but then I went with my friends from a past show and we're like, yeah, we have time. Let's go see it. So we did. And I cried so hard. And I was like, why am I crying so hard in this movie? And we'll get into it. And then I went to go see it again with my boyfriend, Hansen, and I cried in the movie again, but then I cried even hard. I like sobbed explaining the ending to him. Like when we were having a conversation about the movie later on in the night, I was bawling talking about it. And I don't know why I had such a connection to it until I started to really, I guess, piece together some things. So like I said, it'll be spoiler free up until a point and I'll let you know when you need to ditch out. So that way you can continue or you can watch the Barbie movie, experience it all, and then come back to this podcast to hear my thoughts about it. So let's get into what Barbie Land is. Essentially, the plot here is we we zoom in on, on a world. There's two worlds. There's the real world, and then there's Barbie Land. Both kind of exist. The, the way it's kind of described in the movie is it's a, almost a land of imagination, but it's also like a real land, and it's kind of a hybrid of the both. I, I almost think of it as Narnia in a way. So what it is, is it's all women-led. It's Barbie Land. So everything's pink, everything's beautiful. Uh, the women are in charge. They they think equality is solved in Barbie Land because they think that's what Barbie did. Just she solved equality, and all women's rights are are great. And in Barbie Land, there's multiple Barbies and multiple kins. So the versions that we see, so Margot Robbie plays stereotypical Barbie. So the Barbie that you would think of when you say think of a Barbie, that's who that's Barbie, uh, Margot Robbie, Barbie. <laughs> I'm gonna say Barbie so many times. Kin is that Barbie's kin, but they're all the same Barbie and kin. They're all one, but they're all different. It's confusing, but when you watch it, it's like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. And the world there is just like you're playing with Barbies. So instead of taking the stairs down the dream house, Barbie magically floats. Uh, They kind of take on the storylines or the wording. There's a part in the trailer where Ken's like, can I stay the night tonight, Barbie? And she's like, yeah, to do what? He's like, I'm not really sure. Like, it's it's just the way that kids would would play with Barbies. Like, oh, I want to spend the night because we're girlfriend, boyfriend. And it's just the innocence of kids in Barbie land. That's what it is. So Barbie, Margot Robbie's Barbie, loses her, her perfectness. So she goes into flat feet and she starts having these thoughts of death in this perfect world. And so everyone's like, oh my gosh, that's that's not good. Like, you need to go talk to, to Weird Barbie played by Kate McKinnon, who is hilarious, by the way. And a weird Barbie is if you've played too hard with a Barbie before, you cut the hair, burned the hair, drew on it with markers, ripped it up, made it always in the splits. That's a weird Barbie. Everyone had a weird Barbie growing up. I didn't have Barbies growing up, but I had friends who had them and we would play with them all the time. So I have seen my fair share of weird Barbies. So she gets to weird Barbie's house and weird Barbie says to Margot, I think, should I... I'll refer to Margot Robbie as Barbie officially. That's what her name will be in this little thing. So she's talking to Barbie and says, hey, you opened up a rift portal in the world because whoever playing with you is sad. So that's why you're having all these thoughts and these these complicated feelings is because the person playing with you is is having these same t- thoughts and feelings too. They're, they're conflicted. So the way for her to to kind of fix this is to go to the real world, find the person who is playing with her and make them happy. So... That's the that's basically the plot of this movie, and that's spoiler-free. Now we are going to dive into the spoilers. So diving more into the plot, more into the story about what happens and kind of the scenes I loved with this. So if you haven't seen Barbie yet, then dip out, come back, and listen right here, and we got you covered. We'll talk about the rest of the movie. And you have been warned because it's it's amazing. It's truly worth the see. Okay. Now Barbie gets into the real world. She says goodbye to the other Barbies. Ken sneaks away in the car with her. And she's like, oh, I don't want you to come, but fine. So uh, yeah, Barbie and Ken don't have this romantic love relationship like you would think they would. 
it's kind of like Barbie's like, uh, I don't know, not really interested in you. And Ken's completely head over heels with her. So he follows her to the real world. And as soon as they get to the real world, it's this almost immediate shift in feeling unsafe for Barbie. So they're skating down, I think, Santa Monica Pier. And everyone's looking at Barbie. And it's, of course, exaggerated. But I am I know these things have happened to my friends in the past. They've happened to other women in the past. Where they're getting catcalled. They're getting looked at. And Barbie's like, this is weird. The people are looking at me. But it feels unsafe. And that's a huge word for a lot of my friends. Just when they're going out somewhere, they're like, I, I know nothing happened, but I just didn't feel safe. And that's a complete experience that happens with, with women a lot. So by the way, I have to say the outfits here are, are incredible. All of the outfits in the entire movie are so good. And I will talk about that more, I guess, later on. But I definitely want to dress up as the roller skating kin for Halloween this year. So Barbie and Ken split up. And their their goal is to try to find the kid, right? So Barbie has uh, Barbie takes off on her own to go try to think about where she can find the kid playing playing with her. And Ken splits up because he's trying to do the same thing, I think. But he gets into this montage of where he is feeling great about himself because he's a man in this real world now, and everyone is like looking at him, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, this world is run by men." And it's this hilarious montage of him thinking or discovering what he thinks patriarchy is and swear like ruled by men and horses. And so it's a it's a really funny scene there. And with Barbie, we cut to her, she's she's starting to feel and starts to see life through the eyes of the of the child. So she sees these moments of this kid playing with her and her mom and then she's you know she's running into the mom's arms because she's scared of a storm she's playing on the front porch and so barbie starts to cry a little bit and she was confused by this because she's like that was achy but it feels it felt good so she starts examining life around her and she sees people laughing together and so she starts to laugh she sees a man kind of sitting by himself and kind of pondering life and she kind of takes on that emotion too. And then she looks on the park bench and there's this old, old lady there who actually is Anne Roth, who's an Oscar winning costume designer and friends with uh, Greta, the, I'm forgetting her last name, Greta Gerwig, the director, so friends with her. And she looks at her, Barbie looks at this old lady and goes, you're beautiful. And the, the old lady is just like, I know it. And it was so cute in that moment of just, um, I, I don't know, the the feeling there, I guess, of Barbie's there to empower women and to make them feel confident, but this old lady didn't need Barbie to to hype her up. She didn't need Barbie to to tell her that. She knew that she was beautiful. And actually about the scene is when, uh, something cool about the scene, is that when they were watching it, uh, watching it back, the footage back and everything, some, I guess, of the executives or in the movie were like, yeah, I, I don't think we really need this scene. It moved, like We can move the plot along without it. And Greta Gerwig, the director, was like, if I cut the scene, I don't know what this movie is about. And I think it's so true because it was just, it was a beautiful moment. And that was the first time I, I cried in the movie. That's when I first started crying was in that moment. It was it was just really cute. And it made me also think of the face filter on TikTok that's kind of going viral right now where it shows you as an old person. And a lot of people meet it with such harsh thoughts or criticisms about themselves because they don't look perfect. They don't look cute. And it just kind of made me rethink. I was like, wow, I really, I mean, I, I used the filter too, and I did not look cute as an old person, but it just gives me a new, I guess, perspective of like, I'm still, I'll still be beautiful. I can still be beautiful at that age because I've lived a life that hopefully I'm proud of and that I'm happy with. So really cute scene. I'm glad that Greta did not cut it. So we move on, uh, Barbie and Ken, they meet back up together and they go to the school because that's where Barbie had a vision of where the girl playing with her is. So she gets to the school, she meets Sasha, which apparently this was a dig at Bratz or it was like a call to Bratz, Bratz dolls because Sasha is one of the main Bratz dolls and hates Barbie. And so Sasha just tears Barbie up. And it was, it was a really kind of sad thing because Barbie goes to her and is so excited to meet her. And she's like, aren't you going to give me a hug and tell me how like great I am and how much I helped you? And the Sasha girl is like, no, like you are, you're terrible. And she kind of goes off on this hate speech of Barbie, which a lot of people don't like Barbie for these reasons. So 
Uh, we'll talk. I'll talk about some of this a little bit later. But she, uh, Sasha, the girl that Barbie thinks is the one playing with her, is like, no, we've not played with you since we were five years old. Like you set the feminist movement back. Uh, there was like unhealthy body image that you plant in girls' brains, and these are actual things that people have been upset with Barbie about and hate Barbie for. Uh, in the beginning, too, we'll talk about this more. Is they were mad that there was a Barbie doll that uh, the Barbie doll originally had boobs. Like it was a, a huge thing. They're like, there can't be boobs on a Barbie doll. And when it first came out, and it was like, well, why not? Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about that much later. And it was also funny to me too that they were like, you're a fast a fascist, which is like a far right, like I guess insult. But the far right people have been complaining about this movie being so far left. So it's like, wow. So the one thing that they can agree on is hating um, hating a Barbie. And it's it's a little bit wild, the, the left and the right kind of finding a hatred for Barbie. And it's like, wow, that's, it's a doll. Anyways, it was a, it was a little bit of a funny, sad scene because it's like, yeah, this is, this is sad to watch. But it's also like people actually are this heated about a, a doll in real life as well. So Barbie's crying. She gets picked up by Mattel. And Mattel is the company that, of course, created Barbie. And Will Ferrell plays the CEO. He was hilarious. He was just this silly guy. And what I thought was going to be was I thought he was going to be the main villain of the movie. And spoiler alert, he's he's not, right? So the CEO, uh, I actually looked this up as well to see, because in the Barbie movie, everyone on the board, the executives, they're all male. And so I was like, I wonder if this is is true in real life as well. So it the CEO of Mattel in real life is male, but they also do have women chairs as well, so women executives. So it's not completely accurate as depicted in the movie, but just in case you wanted to know, that's how it is. So Barbie meets Will and is telling him like, hey, I, like I, I'm, I'm wanting to go back and fix things. And as soon as she's about to get in this magical Barbie box that transformed, that sends her back, she gets nervous. And she's like, well, can I use the restroom to make sure my hair is perfect? And he's like, yeah, go for it. And then she tries to escape. So there's this pretty, like a, I guess silly is the best way to describe it. Silly escape sequence where Barbie is trying to get away from Will Ferrell. The C- I don't even know his name. I just know him as Will Ferrell. I think that's how everyone would refer to him, even in the movie. But they're running away. And in in the midst of her running away, she runs into a room trying to escape everyone, and she meets this old lady. And as soon as she steps into the room, it was this feeling of, I, for me, it was a feeling of safe. I was like, okay, like this is calm, it's it's safe, and there was like a, a warm light coming into this, a picture of like a dark room and a kitchen with warm light coming in, and there's just this little old lady drinking tea sitting there. I was like, oh, this is this is cute. It's safe, and so. We'll talk more about who this old lady is, but her name is Ruth. And so Ruth, uh, she's sitting down with Barbie, offers her some tea, and Barbie is just talking about the way that she, uh, you know, who she is and everything. I'm Barbie, and she's introducing herself as Ruth. And Ruth is like, well, you look different. And Barbie starts to go, oh, well, normally I, I look perfect. Normally I I, I usually look perfect. Um, this isn't how I normally look. Kind of like I, I, I get a lot of when we tell people this, you tell people that they look good. They're like, oh, well, and they give a reason of why maybe they don't look good right now, or they give a reason of like they had to try hard to look good right now. But the way that this old lady responded, I sobbed right here too. So Barbie's like, well, I usually look perfect. So right now it's whatever. And the old lady just goes, you look just right. I was like, what a compliment that would be. Like, could you imagine of someone, I don't know, if you're having those hard days, I mean, I get them all the time of where I'm struggling with my self-image and I'm like, I wish I looked like this. I wish that I didn't have this. And it can be a hard thing to have those thoughts, but to be able to have someone just be like, you look just right. That it's such a, it's not feeding into the falseness. It's not saying I'm the most beautiful person in the world. It's not saying I'm not uh, struggling with these things. It's just like, you look just right. I don't know how to describe that any more better than with just out saying the same words over and over, but I, I cried there. So she is trying to escape from the guys. She hears the guys come in approaching and Ruth is like, go through these doors and Barbie escapes. So Barbie escapes out to the front of the building and that's where she meets Gloria, Sasha's mom. So once again, just in case you forgot, if you haven't seen the Barbie movie and you're following along with me, Sasha is the girl who Barbie thinks was playing with her and Gloria is Sasha's mom. 
So once Gloria and Sasha, or once Gloria and Barbie see each other, there's this instant connection. Like they knew. They're like, oh my gosh, I know you. And so Gloria, it turns out those were her memories that Barbie was seeing. It wasn't Sasha's memories. It was Gloria's memories of her out with her daughter on the porch playing with Barbies. It was Gloria holding and comforting her child when she was scared and designing Barbie outfits. And it was, I don't know, I cried at this part too. I cried so many times because I was like, oh my gosh, moms have memories. And I know it's a, a, a blatantly obvious thing, but it really did make you, th- it really did make you go, oh my gosh, I do forget that. Like there are moments that our moms have with us of where they they are excited or they're feeling sad or maybe they're feeling scared, but you kind of, I guess, don't think about it because in the moments you're the one that's feeling scared or you're the one that's feeling sad. And so you may not always realize that. And so I, I bawled there and it was so cute because Gloria was designing those outfits um, since, or since Sasha was little, they designed them together. And so now her ideas of cellulite Barbie, depression Barbie, or I forget what the other one was, but they started to leak into Barbie land because those are Gloria's thoughts now combining with Barbie. And so that's why Barbie is having all these complicated feelings. And the I have to say here, the driving sequence of where Gloria is just full on X Games mode, driving across the highway interstate and trying to dodge all these cars coming after them was so funny. It was, it was pretty hilarious. So... They escape back to Barbie land, which is now Ken land, because when Barbie got picked up by Mattel, Ken snuck off to Barbie land and went to go tell all the other Kins of what he learned about the patriarchy. So Gloria, Sasha, and Barbie arrive into Barbie land, which has now been transformed into Ken land. And my first thought here was within the first 10 seconds, we get back to Barbie land. John Cena is just randomly in this movie. I'm like, why is John Cena everywhere? I swear, no matter what film or franchise I watch, there's just a random John Cena cameo, and I don't get it, but I also don't hate it. It's more tolerable than Chris Pratt being everywhere, I guess I could say. So I was just like, okay, John Cena, Ken Mermaid, that was that was unexpected. But they get to this land, and there's these brainwashed Barbies, because now all the Barbies are are serving men. And so they're... Uh, they're talking about how they love to give up their power. Like the president is giving someone a beer on the beach. She's like, I love this. No responsibility. And this physicist is uh, dressed in a maid's costume, serving cocktails, serving food. And it reminded me a lot of the SNL skit of the Tostinos, like my my hungry guys. It's If you don't get that reference, you'll have to go see it on YouTube. Just search up my hungry guys and it will pop up and you'll get exactly what I was seeing at this. So it was tough because now Barbie went from her safe world of Barbie land to the real world of where it was not what she expected it to be to come back to hopefully find safety. But now her world has reversed of where now the men are all in charge and the women are, you know, serving them. So what happens there is she's talking to Ken and Ken's throwing his fit of, of like, well, you weren't there for me, which we'll talk about that kind of complicated thing in a second here too. But they get in a fight and Barbie goes to sit down and she just is like, I'll just wait and hope that a, a more a leadership Barbie takes over and, and does something to fix something and just lays down in the grass and gives up and starts crying. And so Gloria and Sasha are like, come on, like do something. And Barbie is not moving. She's she's like, nope, I'm done. I, it's someone else's problem. Like it's not mine. And I was like, wow, that's kind of a relatable thing in our, and I guess our world of where there's problems going on of with not just like gender issues, but with rights of people being taken away or even with, why can't I think of the word, economical issues, political issues. It's kind of sometimes feeling hopeless of like, well, I can't do anything. So I'm just going to hope that someone else comes along that's better suited and takes on those things. But if we all have that mentality, then how would anything get better? But it was just kind of relatable to, to have that sentence said out loud of like, oh, I just hope that someone with better leadership comes along and fixes it. Because I know my brain has said that before. So Gloria and Sasha are like, okay, well, we're, we're out of here. And so on the way out, they're bonding over a song in the car, which I thought was a cute moment. But then Alan sneaks up on him, which Alan is Ken's best friend, which if you don't know, the Alan doll was created and it was like, a, he's Ken's buddy. So he's just 
like another male doll, but there's no other versions of him. It's just Alan, no other copies. And his whole thing was like, he can fit into Ken's clothes. So even more, I guess, obsolete than, than Ken, which Alan here had a lot of different layers too that I think a lot of a lot of people saw themselves in as including me. So the reason for that is because what my perspective of Alan was was that he was kind of representing the gay guys out there or the the straight good men out there who are for women's rights, who are wanting to support women and it was it was something where I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can kind of relate to this." And because I've seen a bunch of TikToks, that's all my feed is right now on TikTok is Barbie, of where Alan wasn't kin enough to be with the kins, but he also wasn't Barbie enough to be with the Barbies. And I was like, I feel like that in our world sometimes. I don't feel like I'm man enough to be with the guys, and I don't feel like I'm girl enough to be with the girls. And it's kind of a tricky place for me sometimes of where... I saw this TikTok that worded it so perfect. It was like, I know I can be close with with my girlfriends, but I'll never be as close as they are with their girlfriends. It's just this unspoken bond that they have. And it is kind of a thing that happens in our society. And I'm not saying it's anyone's fault, but even with my own friends, I've felt that way of where my girlfriends are, I'm super close with or been best friends with, but then they have these other girls in their life that they feel closer to or that I'm like okay I I'm excited to hang out with them but then I'm the one that's waiting for them to all go get ready together and I'm kind of just waiting there I don't know weird experience but that's that's just my I don't know what's the word that's my experience anyways I we could talk about Alan for a whole other other time but Alan is a good guy and ends up helping out Gloria and Sasha to where Gloria and Sasha are like, we can't just give up. Barbie Land is in trouble. We need to we need to go back and get them help. And so Alan leads them back to, once again, weird Barbie's house. Oh, Alan is played by Michael Sarah, by the way, which I forgot that he was in the movie and he was kind of the perfect choice for it. So back to uh, weird Barbie's house. Margot, Margot Robbie, Barbie, is crying on the floor and they're trying to fix one of the other brainwashed Barbies. So they kidnapped one of the brainwashed Barbies and she's like, no, like I got my Nobel Prize and I just... I don't deserve it. Like I want to think Ken and which was funny because in the very beginning when they get the prize, her, she, her response is like, I worked hard for this and I deserve it. So that confidence and sureness has been diminished to kind of that fake, like, I don't deserve this. Like, oh, this is so tough of oh, fake humble, I guess I could say. So Margo's crying. And then there was this moment of where Gloria comes to Barbie and it's like, hey, what's wrong? And Barbie is just telling her, like, I'm I'm not ever going to be enough. Like, I can't drive a plane. I can't be in Congress. I'm not going to go to space. I'm just, and I'm not pretty enough. And the commentary there by the narrator where filmmakers, if you are wanting to make this point accurate or something like that, don't cast Margot Robbie, which was completely true. She was beautiful even while sobbing. But Gloria's speech that she gave to her was... I don't know. I have never felt that way in a theater before because even though Gloria was talking about the struggles of how it is to be a woman, there were still things of where I could relate to. And I think a lot of people may see this as like uh, dissing men, but that's not the point of the speech at all. It's talking about the struggles that women do face. And so I did write down a couple of the quotes uh, that I was like, yeah, So one of the things that Gloria says in her speech is, you have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's a completely true narrative for for anyone and everyone of they, I don't know, they have that weird mentality of you can't say thin because then you're offending people that are bigger. But then if you want to be bigger, you're offending people who are thin. So you have to say healthy and healthy looks or I guess in people's mind looks like thin. And so it's just this weird kind of place that people get stuck in of like, well, how how am I supposed to look? And it felt, I, I guess, relatable in some sense. I mean, I have, I have my own sense of body issues, but I would never be able to fully, I guess, experience what it would be like to be a woman where it's so heavily focused on in, in a lot of those discussions. Or I don't know. I can't explain it. I guess men typically don't 
look at another man's body and have these body expectations, but it's placed on women all the time, but from men and women. And so even though I could relate to some of it, I was like, I know that there's so much more beyond what I'm feeling that women must feel like. And that was, it was crazy to me. And if I'm, <laughs> I don't know if I'm offending people by talking about that or or not. And it's a weird place to be in. Another thing was you have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. And I think about this, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like uh, I think about in movies where um, powerful men will make decisions and it's like, oh my gosh, he's a badass. But then if a woman, a woman was saying the same thing, people would be like, biatch. Like it's a, I don't know, completely backwards thing. And I just am like, well, you got to be powerful. Uh, you have to be powerful, both men and women. But I think women do get a bad rap because they're supposed to be seen as nice. And that's not how it's supposed to be. Taylor Swift does a great job about that. And speaking about Taylor Swift, another thing that's said in the speech about with Gloria is you have to answer for men's bad behavior. And I really thought about that. And I was like, that we just saw that in the media of where Taylor Swift was dating that one guy. I don't even know his name. Maddie something. But Maddie said something offensive. And people were mad. But they seemed, it seemed like they were more mad at Taylor Swift that she did not comment on his behavior or address his behavior. I'm like, why are you getting mad at her? They're not even dating. They were just seen together. And so people are expecting her to, I guess have to answer and take care of that situation because it was her partner at the time or a person she hang, hung out with one time. She has to address that. Like, how is that fair? Or how is that expected? So I was just like, we just saw this. How how funny that this was in the movie before we seen it again. And then another thing that I saw, two more points here within the speech, then we'll move on. But never forget that the system is rigged. When I heard this, I, I at first was like, well, I don't know if it's rigged. And that was my first initial thought. And then I thought about it and it's like, well, no, it kind of is rigged. And that's not to say it's an excuse to not give up or an, it's an excuse to say that that's the reason you don't get something all the time. Because when I started to think about it, so many systems are rigged. But in this country, like you have to think about who started this country and it was all men. And how many presidents have we had that are men and how many female presidents have we had? And then someone could argue, well, okay, well, it's legal for women to be presidents now. Like, okay, well, it wasn't even legal for women to vote when we first started this country. So yeah, the system's going to be rigged because there's still people in those higher power positions that hold on to those, I guess, traditional values. I say it with air quotes. And it's like, yeah, it is, it is rigged because there are people who are wanting to be good and be progressive with that kind of stuff. And then there's still those people with higher power that don't want that to happen, that don't want change to happen. So as much as we would like to say it's equality for all and everything's fixed, we still got a long way to go because there are still those mentalities or I guess unbiased or what's the unconscious, I guess, unconscious opinions or biases that we have or that we hold and we may not even know it sometimes. Uh, I saw this thing on TikTok. I have to address this really quick too, but they were talking about a woman president. Like, do you think a woman could be president? And a woman responded with, uh, no, because women have all these different hormones and they'd be so, so quick to start a war. And the guy was like, well, haven't all wars been started by men? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's, I, I don't know. It was just kind of eye-opening and I get so mad because I think a lot of people would take the speech as anti-men or um, hating on men. And that's the complete opposite of what it's trying to do. Because, I mean, I am a man. I wouldn't want to support hating men because men do have a lot of great things. But when we have to celebrate men by putting women down, that's not what I want to celebrate. Or when a man is celebrated for working half as hard as what a female does or just doing the bare minimum, it's so aggravating to me. It's it's so aggravating to me. So anyways, uh, the last point within her speech that she had was, and if all of that is true for a doll just representing women, then I don't even know. And just kind of looking back at the issues that people talked about with having the doll of, first of all, just having boobs. People were outraged that a doll would be so sexual. And it's like, well... That's just a woman. A woman has boobs and you are just placing that on it. Like a, an adult woman has boobs. It's just a fact of life. And I think 
people having uh, such a fit about that or placing such a stance for a doll to have that it should represent everyone. Like you're not going to find representation in everything that you see. It's just not going to happen. And so I think it's awesome when we can include it or it's awesome when we can get diversity in those kind of places or show diversity in, in what we can. But it's also sometimes you have to find yourself in those moments of how a character feels. They may not look like you, but you may have a, a same feeling as them. So I think when people are looking for that, I guess, connection, I don't think it always has to come in physical appearance. I think it can also come in the way that someone talks or the way that someone uh, has mannerisms that are like yours. So the way that someone feels or the way that someone cares or works like you do. I mean, like Leslie Nope. I don't look like Leslie Nope. I don't sound like her. I'm not a woman, but I can find a lot of similarities with her and I feel like that representation is there. And like I said, of course, we want to try to get representation for for everyone, but just because it's not being represented in a doll does not mean that the doll should be attacked. I don't know. I feel like I'm going back and forth, but I think I've made my point somewhere within that jibber-jabber. Let me know what you think there, because like I said, I'm all for diversity and I'm all for including people and inclusion everywhere and anything that we can do and doing it to the best of our ability. But sometimes we have to say to ourselves, yeah, they don't look like me, but I wonder what else about this character I can relate to. What are the experiences I can relate to? Or what's a new perspective that I can take away from this because I'm not represented here? And so, like I said, I it's, I feel like this would be a whole different conversation. I'm starting to sweat a little bit, so I'm going to move on here. Because we're going to go talk about my, probably one of my favorite parts of the movie, is the rescuing Barbie scene in the Kin War. So... Their plan to rescue the rest of the Barbies, because after hearing Gloria's speech, the Barbie, uh, the physicist Barbie, I think the no- the Nobel Prize Barbie, I should say, sorry, wakes up and it's like, oh my gosh, I've been in a dream, but that speech helped pull me out of it. So then they go to rescue the rest of the Barbies and they put the other kins up against each other. They pit them up and they like flirt with the other kins. So the kins are mad at each other and they start to fight. And they have this whole beach off moment, which that's what they call it, is a beach off. And it kind of gave me Grease vibes of all of them in black with Grease Lightning, dancing, singing, I'm Just Ken. It's a great song, actually, and it's so fun to listen to. I went and listened to it on my walk the other day. But it was so funny because I wanted, when I saw it first, I saw it with my friend Izzy, which shout out to Izzy. Uh, during the part where they're playing guitar, like, do you want to listen to me play guitar to you for four hours and like stare at you in the eyes while doing so? She's like, this has happened to me multiple times where a guy will just start playing guitar and staring me in the eyes. And it's the most uncomfortable thing. I'm like, oh, I would hate that. That makes me cringe a little bit. So hate that. But Barbies eventually fix everything, fixes with quotation, uh, quotation marks. And the president of Mattel, Will Ferrell, comes back and is like, great, everyone, let's go back to the real world. And everything will be like back to how it was. And then President Barbie goes, well, I don't think I don't think things should go back to being the same. And I was like, yes, this is where it comes in. This is where it's not like anti-men. It's not hating it. I'm like, this is hitting it clear on the head for people here. Because I knew it wasn't hating men. I knew it wasn't anti-men. But I was like, I feel like we need a clear message here for those that may not get it. And so... The best way that I could describe feminism here is because sometimes I think feminism gets a bad rap from bad people. Same thing with all the other causes with uh, you know, LGBTQ issues or racial issues. There's these people that are expecting equality to mean that they have more rights. That's not what it is. Or putting someone, uh, putting another group down to raise their group up. That's not what, that's not the true fight. The true fight and the true struggle is what she said exactly of no Barbie or Ken should be living in the shadows or Alan. And that's in, in the shadows, right? That's it's exactly how he put it. No one wants to have more, I should say, no level-headed person should want more rights than another person. We just all want to be equal. Uh, I want to be able to get married without it having like a, a picket fence at my wedding. I want to be able to, to have the same rights as anyone else. I don't feel like I should be, I guess, Put on a pedestal above anyone else. I mean, on my birthday, obviously, but any other time. And I'd say a good portion of people agree of it's not wanting these more and more rights. 
it's wanting equal rights. And then of course you have the people that are screaming for this, I don't know, they give it a bad name, the bad rap of what bad feminism looks like of hating men and thinking that all men are toxic, which there are people out there like that who think like that. And I don't think that's, it's not what feminism is. It's not what fighting for equality should look like is putting someone else down or putting someone else in the shadow so that you can be seen. That's not what it is. It's everyone's equal. So that was the best explained in a Barbie quote. Anyways, so soon the Kins, uh, there was a line of soon the Kins will have the same power as women do in the real world. And it was kind of a joke that people laughed at in the theater and I laughed too. And it's like, well, why does it have to be a joke? Like if it was, uh, I, I don't know, I didn't want it to be a joke. It's like women do have power here, but of course it was a joke because everyone was like, yeah, it's not the same as what we have. It's kind of rigged systems right now. And so I was like, I wonder what a world would look like of where they are equal, of where no man or no woman is living in the shadows of another. And so I think right here with this line, people got mad. And I was like, if you are mad at this joke, then you know that there's an issue in our world and you're just choosing not to address it. Like that's that's just the only way that I can see it fit is that if you are a man and you hate that line, or if you're a woman and you hate that line, because you're like, well, I just don't think, I, I don't know. I don't know what your problem would be. But if you recognize that you are angry with that line, then you recognize that women do not hold the same amount of power in our real world. And that's just, I think, how it has to how it has to fall down. So you can disagree with me there, but that's my that's my opinion. So we are nearing the end here, which is where I was about to lose my mind because I was gonna cry uncontrollably. And it happened both times. So everyone's like, yay, this is our ending. And then they go, well, what's Barbie's ending? So everyone looks to Barbie and, oh, I forgot. Barbie apologizes to Ken, which I loved because Barbie didn't have Barbie didn't have to love him. That's not something she, that she had to apologize for. I think Ken wanted to be a friend in her life or love her in her in life as well. But Barbie just took him for granted a little bit of not even as a friend or not even, I guess, as a, a human, just kind of more as a object, which I get is like the symbolism of how, you know, reverse and everything. But she did apologize. And she's like, I'm sorry that I, I took you for granted. Not every night had to be girls night where she could offer some friendship there or be honest about like, hey, I'm not putting in as much effort as this. Anyways, I thought it was a really good moment that it showed that it's not uh, women can do whatever we want and put men down. That's not what it was. It was like a, oh, I hurt a friend here. It's like, oh, that's, that's a beautiful moment. And to say that you need to go find out who Ken is on your own. So maybe it's Barbie and it's Ken. I thought that was so cute. And I think there's a lot of people out there who are maybe like Ken in a way. I feel like, a, I feel like a lot of us could relate to Ken, no matter who you are, of just sometimes we can get caught up in thinking that we're so attached to something that that's who we are. And so when that item or when that person is gone from us, we are like, well, what am I? And that would be such a scary feeling of to not know who you are without something attached, I guess. I don't know if this is making sense, but I definitely could have, I definitely related to Ken when I was younger of not knowing who I was without having something as a seemingly masked identity with it. So, Barbie is questioning like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know what my ending is. I'm not in love with Ken and she doesn't need to be in love with Ken. They don't need to end up together. And then Ruth, my homegirl Ruth comes in and is like, hey, come, come take a walk with me. So let's talk about Ruth because this is the scene that, that just will kill you. So Ruth Handler, who is she? She was born in 1947. She is the woman who helped start, uh, start Mattel with her husband and their partner in 1947. So in 1947, a little bit of a backstory here to kind of set up the scene, is the Mattel was founded and started creating like action figures for for boys. So they had firemen, cowboys, cops, and everything. And so Ruth thought, well, okay, great. There's so many ways that boys can see themselves in the future of wanting to be all these amazing things, but what do they have for girls? And it kind of made a joke about this in the beginning that I didn't really realize is that they had baby dolls. They were expected to be a mom, even as a child. And that's something that it was like, yes, to be a mom is great. And it even says in the movie, like, why can't we just have Barbies who want to be whatever they want to be? 
they don't have to be something extraordinary. They can love just being a mom. They could love, uh, they can love their kids, but also have a job that they love. I don't know. So she was like, I want, I want to create a vision for girls that they don't have to just be a mom. They can also be doing these crazy things like going to outer space. So she's like, I want to create a, a doll. So when she brought this up to the male executives of Mattel, they didn't see a need for this. They're like, well, I don't think that Barbie would do well. And so she she pushed it. And she was like, I'm going to keep doing this because I think it's important. So in 1959, Barbie was released. And it didn't do well at its first initial like showing or selling, I guess, because it was sexual. It was too sexual. It had boobs. And they're like, well, just take the boobs off and I think it'll be fine. And she's like, no, it's a woman. Like a woman has boobs. Those are important. Like it's an important thing for a girl to grow up to see herself and herself has boobs. It's not a bad thing. Like stop complaining about it. And then when it sold, like it went to the public, Barbie sold three, so $3 a doll to 351,000 people in one year. So Mattel couldn't keep up with the sales of Barbie and they had to expand uh, warehouse and factories to be able to keep up with this and they couldn't do it, they, uh, Ruth said, for a, a little while when Barbie was released. So proved him wrong. Um, Ruth went on to leave Mattel in 1975 because of some IRS issues. So there was, I think, some tax fraud. I didn't want to look too much into that because I don't understand taxes at all. And that's probably, if I was to ever go to prison, that's what it'd be is tax fraud or something like that because I just didn't understand it. Not because I was wanting to be a criminal, but because I thought, I don't know, I was just being stupid with taxes. Anyways, she went on to have a double mastectomy and she was the, uh, yeah, double mastectomy. And then I didn't know this, I didn't read too much about it, but she went on to like help develop prosthetics for women so that they could have breasts after double mastectomy. So prosthetic breasts. I thought that was kind of cool, like hero. And then the first woman CEO, Jill Barad, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, in 1997, so first woman CEO of Mattel, invited Ruth back to be a public spokesperson for Barbie. Uh, she died at age 85 in 2002 from colon, uh, colon surgery complications. And yeah, so that's that's Ruth Handel. So she comes back into Barbie's land and takes a walk with Barbie and explains that that's, that's who she is. So she's talking about what kind of the human experience is because Barbie's kind of talking about wanting to be a human and wanting to go to the real world. And she's talking about it and some quotes that she said were just absolutely beautiful of humans only have one ending. Ideas live forever. And she talks about how Barbie was her idea and that it was so cute. She talked about like, I always knew you'd do something good, but I would have never expected this. And that made me cry too, because thinking about real life, Ruth, like, do you think she ever expected that Barbie doll to become a sensation, a, a box office hit? Which congratulations, Greta, uh, by the way, because that's amazing that she broke box office records there with Barbie movie. But, you know, Ruth probably didn't expect such big things from her creation. And so to have that kind of me thinking about that made me cry. And then she's talked about how she named Barbie after her own daughter, Barbara. And I didn't talk about this in the movie, but guess who? Guess, guess what else? She had another child and it was a boy. Do you want to guess his name? Kenneth. So Barbara and Kenneth Handler. And I thought that was adorable that she named both the dolls after them. So cute. So then she talked about how she was... Uh, she was a mother and she's like, I can't control my own daughter as much as I control you. So if you want to be human, you can. She said, this quote made me cry again too. We mothers stand still so our daughters can see how far they've come. And of course, I'm not a daughter. I am a son, but it's it's something I could see in my own mom as well of things that they've, I guess, given up or put on pause sometimes in their own life or putting their dreams or changing their dreams or seeing it with my friends too of ambitions that they have but when they have a child, that child, it's not that they're giving up on their dreams or that they're they're quitting. It's that they, I don't know, I guess that child is their new dream. And so everything else is like, well, this child is worth it to, to mend those plans. This child is worth it to, to, to change my future a little bit. And so that quote just made me sob. But when, when Barbie starts to think about this and contemplates if she's going to do it, Ruth goes, well, I can't let you do this in good conscience without showing you like what life truly is. And I don't think she said it here, but she may have said it earlier. 
but just showing that life is constantly not what it is expected to be. It's a constant change, and that's kind of what makes it so beautiful. So she holds out her hand, and Barbie takes her hand and says, all right, now feel. And then Barbie starts to see this uh, compilation of all these lives put together in video while Billie Eilish's song, What Was I Made For, starts to play. And oh my gosh, this was, I would had to audibly, I was trying not to audibly cry at this part. It was so, it was so, so beautiful. It wasn't sad. It was recharge, recharging in a way. Like of seeing all these videos of, of these people living their lives. And fun fact, these videos are from the cast members and crew that worked on Barbie movie. They filmed their friends or family or themselves and they put it into the movie. And talking about this in an interview with the director, this guy was like, my friend was in that and she would have been so excited to see like she was in the Barbie movie. So I, I'm assuming that his friend passed away, but he was like, I'm so excited that she was in there because she was so full of life. And it was so cute. And it just showed people dancing. It showed someone getting ready for a wedding. And it was, it just captured life so beautifully. And it just showed that life is so random and unexpected and that some of the best things in life aren't planned. And it's just, it's silly and weird. And that's why I love this movie so much, I think. It was so healing to me to, to see a Barbie doll have these doubts about them about herself. I'm like, well, okay. Like, I'm not a Barbie doll, but... I still have doubts about myself. I still struggle with confidence or, or my looks. But if there's a person who looks like Margot Robbie or a character like Barbie who still has those same thoughts, I'm like, then that's just being human. And I can still find beauty in a lot of ordinary things, I guess, without having to be perfect all the time. So Barbie decides that it's, of course, worth it. And she, she says yes. So she becomes a human. And we end up with the most, I guess, out-of-pocket scene uh, of what I thought at the time. Uh, Barbie is getting out of the car with Gloria and Sasha and her dad. It's like, all right, I'm ready for it. I'm so excited for my for my uh, new journey. And so I'm thinking that she's going to go up to be the new CEO of Mattel or that she's going to you know, be on the board somehow. But she goes up and like, all right, what are you here for? What's your appointment? She goes, I'm here to see my gynecologist. Gynecologist. There you go. That's what I had a hard time pronouncing. The gynecologist. And I was like, what a random thing. But it was kind of cute to look back and think, of they just spent the whole movie saying a Barbie doesn't have to be something amazing or perfect or I guess doing triple the work all the time in order to be wonderful or, or to be worth something. And so she's just going to the gynecologist. And I thought that was so cute. It didn't have to have this giant ending for her or monumental thing for her to be worth something. She just wanted to go get her coochie checked out. <laughs> and that's and that's the Barbie movie. I have seen it twice now and I'll probably go see it a third time and will for sure buy it when it comes out. I, like I said, I loved it. I think it was one of those movies that I went into it with, I shouldn't say low expectations, but I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a, oh yeah, kids grow up and don't grow up because it'll be sad and live young forever, which kind of had him there, but it was so much more complicated than that. And as I kind of deep dive into the movie and learn about it or see it again, I start to pick apart different things. And whether or not they meant to have those different layers in there with the movie, it's something that still makes you think. And I think that's what Greta Greta did. And she did a fantastic job with it. It definitely made me think. It's still making me think. It gave me motivation to do an hour-long podcast about it. So I'd say that it was a very successful movie. I think for those that maybe are hating on it or not liking it, I think um, I think they just missed the point. And I don't know how else to address the point in, in a way that they would understand it. Because there are women out there who, uh, it said in the movie, like the one thing that people can agree on or that men and women can agree on is that they hate women. And they do hate on women, both sides. And... It's not a, like I said, it's not a unrigged system. There are rigged systems all over the place, not just for women, but for people that come from all different backgrounds. Everything is kind of rigged and it's not an excuse to, like I said, to get what you want. It's not an excuse to not try, but you just sometimes have to understand that life isn't going to be fair. And when people are saying that it is, that's not, <laughs> that's not accurate. It's not, it's not true. 
we definitely grew up in a very male-dominated world, and we are actively trying to get those equal rights so a woman isn't living in a man's shadow. But there are still people who very much hold that mentality that a woman is there to serve man. And that is not a mentality that I have, nor will I ever want to have. (laughs) So let me know what you think. I absolutely loved this movie. I thought it was amazing. I would 10 out of 10 watch it again. I want to plan to go see it with my mom and take her to see it. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie. I'm sure I rambled on plenty enough, but thank you so much for listening. And hopefully I will catch you next week with some more motivation to do another podcast episode. Thanks so much. Bye.